0: Welcome to the number one show and the source of truth for all things medtech. Here, we reveal the secrets and stories behind the investments, science, and commercialization of the medtech industry. Every week, we'll take you on a wild ride with the biggest names in the game, from entrepreneurs and investors who are shaking up the market, to healthcare providers who are revolutionizing the way we think and practice medicine. So hold on tight and get ready for a journey like no other. This is the State of Medtech. Medtech. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. So this episode is on sales, but more specifically about sales enablement. Uh, I think whether you're a rep or VP of sales, uh, you you should understand this. So let's cover a couple of things. Number one, the sales environment in MedTech has changed. It's become a lot more difficult and sophisticated, right? If you're launching, whether you're launching a product at a Striker or Medtronic or your startup, um, identifying the right adopters specifically early adopters is not easy. Now We all try to find the right adopters who's going to proliferate the technology, meaning that they're going to be a big time user of the technology, talk about it, etc. It's not so obvious anymore. We used to think that it would be the person who goes up on podium very often or let's say publishes a lot of papers. And if you talk to anybody who's launched a product or even been in a startup it's rarely that person. And so this is where using sales enable- enablement technology and software helps a lot, specifically databases where you can look up physicians, their procedure volume, the societies they're a part of, you know, information that helps you narrow down and target exactly who you should look- be going after. A Couple of problems that I've always ran in with these, with these companies is number one, um, a lot of times their databases are really clunky. You almost need like a data scientist or an admin to help you uh, sift through it. Um, that's number one the second thing which is more annoying is they're often extremely expensive and what really ticked me off is that all these companies uh, over the years when I go look at their websites they never show you the price and the reason why they don't show you the price is because they want to see how much money you've raised or how big your company is and then they're gonna give you a different price than somebody else which I personally don't like the lack of price transparency and so over the years, I've tried different, different uh, platforms, and some of them are good, some of them are okay. And then um, Paul Lucas Hoffman, who's the uh, guest today, reached out to me. And I was really skeptical, to be honest with you, about their platform at first, but then I got a demo and played around with it. And I really like it. So uh, Paul is the founder of Alpha Sophia, which means First Wisdom, and, and their platform is essentially a software that helps you find and target early adopters. You're able to search through procedure volume, find their social media handles, et cetera. But what I like is that they're really transparent. It costs like 300 bucks a month per user, which is amazing um, You know, compared to a lot of other uh, platforms which cost 30, 40, $50,000. I won't mention which ones. And so I, I wanted to have Paul on to kind of talk about his company, their vision, and like how he sees the selling environment in MedTech. Um, me personally, I like the platform, and so for him, I told him, hey, if you're gonna come on my show, if I'm gonna support you, what you guys do, I want a really good offer for my audience, and they gave me one. So whether you are a rep, or an associate, or VP, a CEO, it doesn't matter. If you go to alphasophia.com forward slash Omar, that's A-L-P-H-A, sophiacom acom forward slash uh, omar enter your information and you're gonna get Three free profiles for free. So essentially, you know, you can tell them the procedure that you're trying to look out, uh, look into. You can give them a surgeon, a hospital, whatever, and they'll do these three searches and give you the report for free. And of course, in that process, you'll be able to get a demo of their technology, which is extremely straightforward. And if you decide to use them, hey, it's only three hundred bucks a month, and I think for each additional user, I'm not sure how much more it is, but it's actually like less than that. So um, really affordable. I absolutely love it because this is an affordable option for start. Startups. you know, for founders who are trying to get started, like they can't afford to pay a $30,000, dollars $50,000 license. And I advise them not to. So, with that being said, this is our episode with Paul Lucas Hofschmidt. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, everybody. So, I'm joined by a, a new friend of mine. Uh, that's Paul Lucas Hofschmidt, who's the CEO and founder of Alpha Sophia. So, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about the importance of like being data driven today. Um, for me, it's not a good strategy for any CEO of a, st- of a med tech company to say, hey, we're going to raise money and then we're going to hire a bunch of reps who worked in this certain specialty, right? Because think of it like this, you know, um, every major KOL that you, you can think of has already been taken or associated with a, with a company. So the idea is like every med tech company who, you know, from intuitive to anything else, who had like a big product that got adopted, right? Um, it was always a KOL or an early adopter that nobody thought of, right? And so that's where we need data. Um, there's a lot of players out there, and I've checked out different platforms. And, you know, they're all, I think they're, a lot of them are really good. But this one, Alpha Sophia, has stood out to me for various reasons. And so, Paul, I'm, you know, thanks for joining the show. I want to talk a little bit about your background. Like, why did you start Alpha Sophia? And then I kind of want to talk more de- details about, like, the mission. And more importantly, like, what makes Alpha Sophia differently. So, Paul, thanks for joining the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thanks. It's great to be on board, Omar. Um, nice to join you today here.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, Paul, like maybe uh, for the listeners who are just learning about you, can you give like a little bit of background of yourself? Like where'd you grow up, go to school? What's your professional background? And we'll get to Alpha Sophia.
1: Sure. Let's do that. Um, so I actually, I actually grew up uh, in Cologne, Germany, um, and then moved to the UK uh, for three years, finished my, my school t- time there, Studied there, uh, then moved back to Germany, and then I actually studied philosophy back in the day. So actually coming oh, wow. from the humanities side, um,
0: and Who's then just uh, philosopher. If you had to pick one, <laughs> always a tough one. But my, I my, would... my,
1: my favorite one, yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm actually like really interested in Ludwig Wittgenstein, which is about logic and uh, and and, and that that domain. But uh, yeah, that wouldn't, that would basically would be a li- little bit too much to go into, into much more detail today yeah. in, the, in that session. But uh, yeah, um, and then afterwards I. I actually somehow ended up in a in a strategy consulting firm I uh, worked for an American company Oliver Wyman uh, which is a subsidiary of, of Marsh McLennan and and then starting from there my whole focus of my career was basically always helping uh, commercialize products um in all sorts of domains I've done that in the retail space in the consumer consumer goods space uh, in the manufacturing space um and uh, that's basically like a common theme in everything I've done helping companies bring out their products to the customers who really need that and and educate those customers about the products so that they that they get implemented the fastest um, And then at some point um uh six years ago i believe um, i started also working together with startups on the site helping them in their commercial growth uh, stories um did that with a couple of companies in all different domains um but then a few years ago i started working with a medical device company here in germany um And uh, we we found out when we did the initial market sizing, tried to get into the industry, how difficult it can be to actually find reliable data, um, um, insightful data about the healthcare space um, at a reasonable price. Uh, um, And especially when you're a startup just getting things started and you want to do market sizing, you want to understand who are your potential customers to get like first interviews, customer demos and, and so on. Um, you usually can't afford those hefty price tags of, of a few hundred thousand dollars or tens of thousands of dollars to to get started, but you want to be a little bit leaner and, and get into the market. And that's actually the first time I, I was confronted with that problem of, of getting reliable commercial intelligence in the healthcare market uh, and then working on a solution
0: for that. Amazing. Amazing. And I saw that you know, you have your own venture firm, which is Hoffschmidt Ventures, so you do a little bit of angel invest, investing. Just out of curiosity, level, what kind of uh, companies do you like to invest in?
1: So I'm actually, uh, with that firm, I'm quite open when it comes to the industry. Um, what I like the most is investing in companies who are really early stage. Um, so a pre-seed, even before that, when the team's just getting assembled. Um, and I usually aim to help those founders um, uh, develop the initial ideas, test their hypotheses, and then build an MVP and bring that to a of the company. So that's, that's my story. At the moment, I'm also focused on building Alpha Sophia. Um uh, Um, but um from an industry's perspective the range is quite big so i do have a few uh, companies in the healthcare space in there uh but then also companies in the renewable energy space or in just enterprise software uh so it's quite broad
0: nice that's fantastic so you know uh you have a pretty broad career so like of all the things like why did you choose to go into i guess you can call it like data and sales enablement in, in, in healthcare. What, what kind of led you to that and start to start Alpha Sophia? Yeah.
1: So as I mentioned, uh, the initial starting point was working with that German medical device company uh, where we really struggled uh, finding, finding uh, reliable data. And then also my co-founder, Robin, who's our CTO. Uh, he's kind of like the hacker guy. He started coding when he was 12, uh, building his first products uh, still in, the, in his childhood bedroom. Um, he actually also worked as a consultant at Oliver Wyman, so we met met at that place. And he was a he was actually an intern at, 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 on my team on a project we did together. Um, and he also worked for for a large uh, pharmaceutical um, distributor. Um, and also saw how difficult it is to develop sophisticated commercial strategies in the healthcare space from that from that um, uh, perspective. Um, and in that in that um, yeah, looking at that. Uh, our background with helping uh, commercializations in, in industries which, which are already more matured, like retail, for example, where everything is data-driven, yeah, where you measure the uplift of any single promotion of any single advertisement. Um, and then looking at the, in the healthcare industry, where there's already a lot going on, especially in pharma, but then even further in medical device, where it's still a little bit more behind, uh, we just felt that th- that's an area where, it's, where, yeah, where we really can make a difference and, and bring that up to the next level with the experience we have made in other industries in the past.
0: Nice. So before we talk talk shop, you know, I, I actually never asked this question before, but I'm curious, like what what's, why, why the name Alpha Sophia? How did you guys come up with the company name?
1: It's quite an interesting question. Um, I mean, it's ancient Greek and meets, means something like first wisdom. Um, and uh, it's a little bit our company philosophy, providing that first wisdom uh, on, on, on different levels. Yeah? On a company level, when you're just starting up and you want to know where to go and which, which subdomain of a certain therapeutic problem do I want to build my my medical device, in, for example. But then also as a salesperson, as a marketeer um, at a more established company, deciding where should I go? Where should I meet my customers? Who are those customers? Who are the right providers to talk to? And then actually getting those first insights on, on um, uh, this first wisdom on those. Yeah? How do I approach them adequately? Yeah? What information can I get on them beforehand? Do they publish? Um, are they on social media? Are they rather innovative and progressive? Or are they rather, rather cost conscious? So collecting all the background information to then craft a marketing and sales approach and approaches in a way um, uh, which yeah, create the bigger bang for the money uh, in the end for your company.
0: Fantastic, fantastic, so you know the thing uh, again like i've I've kind of spoken with a lot of the major players who are in this space, all good people, uh, but what I will say that stood out about you guys is that you you're very specific about developing that your your uh, your company mission is specific around startup companies right why? Why is it? I mean, you, make, you, you can t- clearly make more, a lot more money going after, like, the Medtronics of the world and charging, like, a lar- larger enterprise fee. So why, why did you guys decide to focus on, like, startups?
1: Yeah, so we focus on startup companies and SMBs, um, and we also work together with bigger companies. But uh, we wanted to focus on those, on those innovators because if you look at the maker device industry, um, of course, a large part of the market size is being consumed by big medtech. But at the same time, if, if you just uh, look at the pure company count, th- there's a vast tail of, of companies who are smaller um, um, uh, distributorships, uh, startups, SMBs who are specializing in, in certain niches, and so on. Um, and we just saw that those companies are com- at the moment completely cut out of the healthcare analytics, uh, healthcare commercial intelligence market, because they oftentimes just can't afford spending those big dollars on, on, on some of the competitor products, which are great. But um, if you don't have them, yeah, um, they can be as great as you want. Uh, they don't help you in your, in your commercialization. So um, we focus on, on this part of the market at the moment. Um, and uh, we, at this, secondly, if you just look at the healthcare market in general, a lot of the innovation, of the progress when it comes to new devices, uh, new innovations, they are actually being developed by those smaller companies and not by the largest ones um, and helping them bring that out faster, bring those uh, products out faster, even if they might join a larger company later on, yeah, just helps the patient in the end getting ex- access to those innovations uh, at a, at a faster rate. Um,
0: Fantastic. Yeah. I really like that too. Cause like, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've, I've been in this for over 10 years. And I think like maybe one company we were, we were able to afford definitive healthcare at the time. And definitive is like i don't know it's like it's like upwards of like 40 or 50k a year it wasn't cheap they have a good platform um but again like a lot of times especially as a head of marketing i was just like man for that much money i was like why don't we just use that on commercializing the product you know versus sure. you know um and and so uh and for you guys you, you're you're at a very very competitive price point do you mind if i mention the price point on on the sure. show sure. so like you guys start out essentially at 300 dollars a seat which at that level I mean, if a rep was really, really motivated, I mean, a rep could even afford to pay for that. Although, if you're a rep, I recommend not doing that. Get your company to pay for this. Yeah, yeah 300 bucks a month. It's great. And I know that you guys are doing, uh, you know, I appreciate you offering that to my audience, uh, which if you're interested, you can go to alphasophia.com forward slash Omar, and you can get three free profiles done. You know, so obviously there's a demo, but part of that live demo is that they're going to give you that those free profiles. Um, maybe uh, something... Uh, I guess I want to touch real quick just on the funding funding amount in the team, you know, um, if you can just touch on that real briefly. But then after that, I want to get into like what makes you guys different. But yeah, how much have you guys raised to date? What's what's your team look like, you know?
1: Yeah, so we actually we started off uh, in, in 2022. Uh, so we are about one and a half years old now. Um, we have a team of seven people at the moment. Um, and we did a pre-seed funding round uh, in the beginning of this year where we raised $1 million um in, in venture capital uh, funding from investors from both sides of the Atlantic from from the US but also from Europe um many of them um people who have been in the healthcare industry for, for a long time with a lot of experience um uh, which really support us uh, understanding um uh where we which areas we should further innovate to bring our make our products even better every day so I'm really glad for for the support from our investors um and um yeah our philosophy really is uh to to practice what we preach, yeah? so uh, we keep our company really efficient and lean as an A team um, uh, of 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 developers and 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 uh, commercial uh, people, um, so that we in the end also can provide that price point to our customers. Uh, and then we do that at every every point um, of how we interact with with our customers. So I mean, if you you can book a demo on our website directly with me within the next days, and then jump on a call um, and uh, If you like the product we can set you up in hours and then we schedule a demo session so it's it's really efficient and you don't have to go through lengthy uh, contract negotiations and so on so we try to keep things as efficient as possible on our side as well
0: fantastic so let's talk about the product itself um you know the one thing that i would say is that because it's all there's very little proprietary data in this space right so a lot of it's pretty much based on what each company is able to. What data they're able to provide, the way they provide it. What what makes Alpha Sophia different from the other other competitors that are out there?
1: Yeah. So I think what really makes us different is that we de silo a lot of different data sources and bring them together in one tool and make them easily accessible by salespeople, by marketeers. You don't have to study data science to use the tool to then go in there and slice and dice through multiple dimensions at once to end up with uh, targeting uh, lists, and, and uh, uh, which really fit your product on the one side, but also your marketing and sales campaign you're running. So let me make an example. Now. So you could just jump in there and then say, okay, at the moment there are 2.8 million healthcare practitioners in the tool, but I'm actually marketing a certain new implant um, uh, 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 for the market. And then you could say, show me all orthopedic surgeons. Uh, maybe in a certain area. So you focus on taxes and then you select taxes and it reloads. And when, within a second, you only get orthopedic surgeons in taxes. Uh, and then you can go further and say, okay, but actually, um, I don't want to interact with anyone who had financial relationships with my competitors in the past. So you could actually select in another filter, exclude everyone who had any financial ties to my competitors in the past. So you do that. Um, and then you could say, oh, well, um, I'm looking for people who are also quite innovative in the beginning, who also have co-developed in the past other medical devices, maybe. And then you could select, okay, show me of those, only those who have received royalty payments in the past as an identifier of those who have co-developed products in the past with manufacturers. Um, and then uh, further, you would say, I don't know, uh, it's, uh, we are a small company. We don't have a sales rep in every city just yet. Yeah? So I want to engage with those people on on social media initially so you could select of those people who are still in that focus group only show me those who are also on linkedin and then you end up with a really precise targeting list you then can export to your crm uh, or just handle it in our tool our tool actually also acts as a i always call it a crm light system or a crm for prospecting um and then start your commercial commercial operations uh, just out of the tool
0: you know I will say, you know, that's something I do like. Um, And again, like, I don't know. I don't, I can't say like, uh, like I, some of those other, other tools uh, that are out there, I haven't used them personally, but a lot of times what I've seen is that they're really complicated and there's a lot of great features, but most reps and sellers don't need those features, which is why they don't use it. You know, this is why a lot of reps don't, really care about using a CRM. What I liked about, and this is what kind of stood out because when you guys first reached out, I was skeptical and I was like, all right, like this is another company that's doing this. Let's see what they have. And at least when you guys walked me through the demo, I thought, I was like, wow, I was like, this is really easy and simple to use, which is, you know, what what I often look for for my audience that's on the sales side, because I'm not going to have them use something that I personally wouldn't use. Tell me a little bit more about like why you guys incorporate social media into the into the database and, and how do you think reps can use that?
1: I, I told you earlier that we that I personally uh, started off uh, in my strategy consulting career in retail and already back in 2010 in retail, the big thing was going omnichannel and approaching the customer from all sorts of direction at, at the same time to create as many customer touch points as possible, which then ultimately lead to a sell. I mean, there's this saying in, in in marketing that you need to create i think seven touch points with a customer to build up trust uh, with yourself, your brand and your product to then uh, to then sell to those um uh, customers and uh, now in medical device, I'm just seeing that this is not implemented and used at the scale as it is already being used in other industries um so we made that really a priority to incorporate that into our into our tools so that sales reps um can incorporate that as another an additional uh channel to contact um sales uh, uh to contact uh, providers to contact physicians and so on uh to 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 create touch points with them um and that can be many things. I mean of course it could be just reaching out to provider directly wi- via direct message uh, but actually I believe it's even stronger if you build that up over time if you connect with them, comment on their content. Uh, know what they are talking about um, and and engage with them. And then at some point, might, you might also be in a, in a position to to reach out to them via LinkedIn or, or a Twitter or any other channel. And then you might also see them at a conference again. And then you are in a position to have a much stronger connection with them and a much stronger uh, conversation with them, which then might actually lead into them trusting you and, and uh, trying out your product the first time. Um, so uh, we made Omnichannel a real priority for our product uh, and will continue to do so. But I'm also curious w- about what you think from your experience, uh, how to best uh, incorporate social media uh, touch points in, in marketing and sales approach towards uh, providers.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, for me, I aside from like engaging with them on social and, and just raising awareness, I mean, something as simple as like, I mean, most providers, uh, they are getting more active on LinkedIn and they have profiles. But like something as simple as like if a provider is posting a lot on Instagram, you as a rep going and commenting on that a few times, like they're going to notice your name because not a lot of comments are usually generated. And so as long as they're familiar with their name, when your email comes through to them, like they're going to just raises your chances that you're going to open an email. It's the same thing when I helped like uh, companies raise money a lot of it is just like how do we raise awareness so people are familiar with the company and the name so that when that founder goes out to investors to book a meeting or email them they'll say oh yeah like i actually have heard of this company right it actually helped a lot with persuasion um something um i don't know if you guys do that now and i don't know if you guys are allowed to do that because a lot of these social platforms are very specific about the data you can pull um but i would love if you guys ended up developing your own algorithms in the future on like Scoring Like if somebody has like high activity on LinkedIn versus Instagram or the combination of the two, and that way you can really, that would be really interesting because I think that would be fascinating to see um, companies who can identify like, oh, this physician is doing this procedure volume, but like their online activity is actually very high. They might be really good for driving adoption, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think sometimes you you don't necessarily, I mean... Like, with the exception of, like, a surgeon who's doing massive volume, most doctors don't know who does a lot of procedures, right? And it doesn't really matter to them sometimes. All that really matters is, like, either they're people who are on podium or just people that they see online. And I think right now the people that they see online is a lot more persuasive, you know? Mm. So F-
1: Fully agree. So, actually, it's interesting that you bring that up um, um incorporating social media scoring uh is, is is one of the things on our current development roadmap um so we're currently working on that oh sweet um but what we're going to do is we we basically incorporate insights from all sorts of different platforms and then have like one uh one social media score which which can can point you in a direction uh towards who's more active who's more relevant who's less active and less relevant uh, but that's still in our D department and uh yeah, looking forward to, uh, to draw that out at some point. Um,
0: how, how about the uh, on the procedure side? You know, you guys, you know, so reps are able to, like, look via, like, CPT codes and everything. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how how, how would a rep, like, benefit and use that?
1: Yeah. So in our growth version of the tool, we do have uh, procedure data incorporated for Medicare, we do have prescription data incorporated for Medicare. Um, So that's another way of searching our tools. You could go in there and search for show me the providers who do the most um, uh, hip replacements, for example, um, or who do the most uh, uh, total knee um, and and so on, and they will show up. and we actually, to make that a little bit easier to search, we've actually also created a, a glossary where you're able to search through all the different CPT, pigs codes and description codes to identi- actually identify those who are most relevant to you, uh, to you and your product. And then also see which are the ones who are actually being built by providers. Because, I mean, as you know, there are like also quite a lot of, of uh, codes out there which are actually not being built that often. Uh, and then there are alternative codes which are used for, for similar procedures. Um, and, uh, yeah, so in that direction, our tool is sometimes also actually used still in the product development phase to actually identify what could be codes for reimbursement in the future. Uh, we always show like the, the market size of each individual code, uh, in Medicare. So we get a, a sense of the size of the price, yeah. Uh, to see, does it rather make sense to build, to launch our first product in that subdomain or on that subdomain? Uh, so are really. We're really, um, differentiated when it comes to, to enabling that. Um,
0: um, got it, got it. You know, um, something else, you know, that kind of hit me is that, uh, when I think, one of the things I think this could be helpful for is like for both bit larger companies and also startups is that, you know, a lot of times when you want to develop a product, like you want to justify, like a, not only a market size, but also procedure volume. It mm-hmm. seems like, you know, you can essentially search uh, procedure volumes and sort of justify whether a certain product is worth developing or not based on that. Is that correct?
1: That's possible. Yeah, that's totally possible, and that's a use case uh, when we when we work together with pre revenue startups. They often seek uh, to get out of the tool in the in the beginning uh, to get those this uh, this sense of market size and opportunity size. But maybe to go uh, one point back, uh, what you mentioned before, um, I also believe. I mean. Looking up procedure volumes is possible in our tool, it's a core feature, but then at the same time, I think um, um, it, in the industry, sometimes it's a little bit, sales and marketing are sometimes a little bit over obsessed with just the highest billers in an industry. And it gets, and, and my personal belief, after having talked to a few hundred sales reps now and hearing their stories, it sometimes gets really crowded around those top billers and everyone is focusing on the same. Um, right and I, and I believe like the the holy grail is actually uh, in, on top of finding those top billers who basically I mean in every niche most people already know the top people anyway yeah um exactly. but it, it, it's more about finding those hidden champions those people who are up and rising um uh, who have just entered the domain and and that's also possible in our tour so you could do stuff like okay show me those who are building that procedure code but I only want to see people who are five years after graduation or 10 years after graduation. Or the ones who are part of a certain medical society, um, uh, or the ones, I mean, there can also be some other proxies, yeah, which you wouldn't even think about. yeah. Like, for example, um, even for implant companies, it might be interesting to filter for providers who do telehealth, uh, because telehealth can be a proxy for identifying those who are more innovative. That those providers are already engaging with that. It's so, a great
0: point. Uh, it's that's not always—it's
1: uh, not always like the direct route to uh, the person who does something, but sometimes developing auxiliary strategies can be really valuable and and it gives, gives you an edge against your competition uh, because everyone is running to the same person, and you're actually to the one who's going to be that person in five years.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think like something that's interesting, just like a just like an idea, is like you know you can find a physician who, let's say doesn't do high procedure volume for one thing, right? Like, let's say, I don't know, let's say it's like a knee replacement or something, right? Yeah. But let's say that they're really high volume for another procedure. And as a result of that, they're like really well known, right? Yeah. You know, it could be that if you get your product into their into their hands for the lo- for the procedure that they're not really well known for, they're still going to get exposure to the same group of people who are, you know, so like if it's a spine surgeon, you know, they all do, a certain group of procedures, right? So like one person who does one high volume procedure versus another, right? They're still, the whole idea is like exposure. Right. And I think like the sort of simplistic thought is like, Oh, let's go after like the big whales who are really known for the procedure. But those people are already like the, the J and J's and Medtronics and of the world are already in those guys' pockets. And so it's just gonna be a lot harder. So I think there's like the, the thing I like about your technology and your platform is like, the idea around identifying the early adopter and being very creative with like adjacent strategies to driving exactly. adoption, you know exactly. what I
1: mean Yeah, and that's, yeah. And that's uh, you, you hit, hit it on the nail. Uh, that's really what what we try to do to enable those adjacent strategies um, and to to help you those non-obvious people to to approach. Um, and then I mean, just elaborating a little bit on on the case uh, on the example you were just making. I mean, there's even more opportunity. I just uh, had a client who's using our tool actually to to look up all the customers they are already having on board, already having as customers, and then going into each of them and seeing what other procedures are they doing and using this again for 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 making decision on which product to develop next. Because, of course, it's much easier to already sell to your existing customers. Uh, and if you innovate in a domain where all your existing customers are already also in, then it's much easier to roll out the next product. So I'm always, I mean, that, that use case actually, that came from that customer to us. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. I didn't actually think about that when we developed the product, but um, and I, I'm convinced there are like many, many use cases in that product still in there, which I've not yet figured out myself because it's so multidimensional, yet easy to use, um, that everyone who's starting using it gets, gets, gets out of their new strategies to use
0: yeah no absolutely and uh, there's there was a concept i we we had kind of touched on uh in prior conversations about if you can kind of you know sort of expand on this, especially for a lot of the sales sales leaders who are not used to using uh, these kind of platforms, but this concept around like like power using power users sort of hogging all the insights versus let's say uh collaboration first tooling, can you kind of talk and to talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, um, in in, in the initial phase of our startup, I actually reached out on LinkedIn to hundreds and hundreds of medical sales uh, reps and uh, regional sales managers and VPs of sales and had like many of those discussions where I actually tried to find out what are they currently using, what they're currently operating mode, what do they like about the current solution they have, what do they don't like, and especially uh, also at larger companies um, who are using those incumbent solutions you talked about earlier, uh, what often is the case that those data uh, uh, products are actually only in, in the hand of very few people within the organization. So there might be one person marketing who has access to it. Is that
0: because of the cost of it? or like it's, a... it's,
1: often, it's often because of the cost. It's one dimension. <laughs> and then the other dimension is um, some companies tell me, yeah, well, we bought that. yeah, And then we also have to hire another data scientist to actually get the insights out of there because yeah, so, it's very um, complicated it, to use sometimes they just get raw data and it's complicated to use um and it's not linked up with all the other insights so they might buy i mean there's everything out there some people just buy a spreadsheet every quarter of billing data but that's then not connected to, to their crm system and all the other information uh, in there um and and we really on the one hand side as i said earlier we are really linking up all those dimensions together and then secondly in our tool, it, it works a little bit like a CRM-like system where you can have like one seed for, for the team lead, for example, and then multiple further seeds for your team. And then you can actually start creating team lead lists collaboratively, and you can share them across your organization. Uh, and you can create uh, campaigns in terms of, for example, write down a sales script uh, for a certain cohort you just, uh, you just created and then you can write that and attach that campaign to a certain lead list, kind of as a marching route on how you want your, your team to work on those leads. So it really enables working together easily um, and we, we've we we've tried to, and I think we are on a really good path of not making the tool too complicated. I mean, all of us, we've all used, I don't know, CRM systems like Salesforce, HubSpot, and so in the past, and they are really great tools and I'm using them myself, but um, they can get really overwhelming from the whole feature set. Uh, and then sometimes in the industry, I mean, people behind closed doors are saying those overloading CRM systems kind of turn into a sales prevention machine because it's more about tracking stuff than about actually learning about your customers and engaging with your customers. And we are trying to do the radical uh, difference. We yeah? are having a simple to use yet powerful solution which salespeople actually like working in. And then it also, I mean, in the end, it also makes their life much easier because our tool is basically a pre-filled CRM. So all the base information, names, contact data, um, uh, affiliation, and so on of providers are already in there. So you don't have to do all the manual uh, filling uh, of data fields. So it's much easier to engage with that.
0: Got it. And it makes sense. And I think, you know, that's, again, that's one of the problems with these sales enablement tools is that a lot of times there's, there's, too much too many features and and way too many uh, um, uh, data points you know for like an average person to know how to use it sorry that's my uh, <laughs> wife and kid in the background in the backyard um but I think the other the um, the the biggest I think the biggest problem and this happens I think um, with certain CRM systems, which is you you invest in them. And so you already invested in them, right? But then you realize how complicated they are to use. And so you end up either hiring somebody or more oftentimes it's like you add one more thing to marketing's plate to do internally. And, you know, it just becomes really complicated. And then a year later, it's kind of like, oh, we, we invest in this thing. We don't really use it. Sales mm-hmm. doesn't really use it, you know? Um, and so again, like th- one of the things that stood out, because again, I, I want the industry to change, but I don't want it to change having to like, go through the pain of like adopting really complex technologies. What I liked was in terms of what I saw. And that's how I think all sales tools should be made is like, it's very simple and easy to use. Like a a rep who's coming out of a case or like on the road and everything can just log in and look up what they look up. And it's like very clear and obvious, like, you know, I haven't been trained on it. And when you guys showed me the demo, I was like, I, I remember I, you guys were walking me through, I was like, Hey, hold on. I'm going to tell you guys what to type in. And I, I started yeah. like telling you to type and I was like, Oh, this is like pretty, pretty straightforward. You know?
1: Yeah. And I, I actually always carry carried around on my, on my tablet. Yeah. It's uh, on the go. You can use it, uh, look, uh, look things up and, and, um, uh, use it while you're in the car yeah, driving to a hospital, uh, for example. Um, so uh, yeah we we try to make that as easily usable as possible and always have the salesperson in the front line in mind uh, when building features and not an expert user um in a data science di department
0: um yeah, no, I completely so. And again, like, you don't need to hire like, like an admin, you know, sometimes these these uh, databases, like literally require you to hire an admin, or like hire like a, a contractor, like out of India or Pakistan to help you like manage these things, you know. Mm. Um, so Paul, just kind of in like wrapping up, like, what's your, what would be like sort of your big vision as a company, like if like five years from now, like, like, how would you know that you guys accomplished like your mission as a company? So,
1: I mean, the most important KPI for me personally is like customers using that product successfully and coming back to me and telling me those stories, as I just told in the past, um, about um, uh, how they use the product to actually bring out their innovations much faster. I mean, we are only an enabler in that industry. The The real heroes out there are those innovators in medical device companies and health tech startups in the future, maybe also in in uh, pharmaceutical companies you might uh, want to work with in the future and so on um, and we, we feel really dedicated in enabling those companies and those, uh, and those uh, commercial teams in bringing those innovations they've built uh, out to patients faster Yeah. so that's, uh, that's I think the, 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 the main vision for us at the moment uh, and then also on, on a different note maybe coming a little bit back to the accessibility and, of our product where we try to make our price point transparent um, and and uh, be really uh, uh, yeah, um, easy to access. I think it's always a little bit the dirty secret in the industry somehow, that some of the other companies, uh, they, they, they look at your company and... Yeah, I can't they, like...
0: they, you, they, you, know, no they one,
1: know No one knows, no one, no one puts it on their website and...
0: Um, tell, uh, they... tell us the dirty secret why that is. There's a very dirty secret as to why that is.
1: I, I mean, my personal opinion and from what I've heard, I mean, I've talked to many different people and I've heard many different price points for every solution out there in the market. And my personal opinion is, um, the, the dirty secret in the industry is that other companies, they look at your company, estimate how much revenue you make, and then give you a price point in that accordance. And we don't do that. Now we have our price point on our website. It's completely transparent. Uh, we just want to bring it out to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, and then get feedback from customers, make the product better every day, incorporate more data points, make it easier to use. Um, and, uh, we, and that's that's why we're, we're not really playing in the same uh, playing field as those other companies, uh, because we try to make it just more accessible in the end.
0: Totally. I, I love that. Well, look, Paul, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I'm looking forward. We got to talk to do like a live stream because I, I want to demo it. the and, and let, let reps see it, you know, maybe for the reps who are following I mean, follow Paul on LinkedIn. But then I think what will be interesting is to have a couple of reps, maybe we can, you know, select some that can come on and tell us what they want us to look up. But if you're interested, again, like uh, I talked to Alpha Sophia and made it very clear, like, hey, like, I want the audience to get something of value. So go to alphasophia.com forward slash homer, that's A-L-P-H-A-S-O-P-H-I-A.com, forward slash Omar. You see how well I practice that? <laughs> um, and just, just enter your information, and Paul and his team will meet with you 20 minutes, probably less. Do, do, you, do a quick demo, but in that demo, really just you tell them either your territory, a surgeon, whatever you're looking for, and they'll give you those three profiles for free. So it's a great thing. You don't have to be a VP or anything. You can just be a rep and go do that. So that being said, We'll see you all next time and have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Bye for now. Thank you for enjoying another epic episode of the State of MedTech. If you're feeling inspired and love this episode, do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button and turn notifications on so you never miss an episode. And be sure to give us five stars and write a short review because that helps more people discover this amazing community of ours. If you're a company who has an executive that you'd like to be on the show or perhaps you want to sponsor one of the episodes, shoot us an email at hello at khatibandco.com. Take care. See you next time.